0: Hi, welcome to Matters of the Heart and Soul. I'm your host, Janie Sharlow. Matters of the Heart and Soul is a podcast to raise awareness and awaken humanity to all that is within. We want to be a beacon of light on your life journey. Welcome to Matters of the Heart and Soul podcast. I am your host, Janie Charlotte, and I have my co host, Russell Bruce.
1: Hey, Janie.
0: All right. And today we are actually talking with Miss Kina Reed. And Kina was actually um, on the podcast not long ago. And I wanted to have her back specifically for this conversation. We are about to talk about shifting the atmosphere from fear to love. Um, Keena is a communication practitioner. She's the director of forensics and teaches in the Department of Communication Studies at LSU Baton Rouge. So welcome back, Keena. I'm, I'm glad to be here. Glad to be <laughs> a part of the membership tonight. <laughs> yes. So um, we are here live in Atlanta. Uh, coronavirus is here in, in Atlanta, Georgia. Um, our schools are shut down for two weeks. Uh, my son's school personally is affected. So, you know, we're going to ride that wave. So we thought that now is the perfect opportunity for everyone to know what we should be doing during this time. So we're going to talk a little bit about, um, first of all, I believe that social media and um technology, internet is gonna be our main source of communication because our schools are shut down, our jobs are shut down, churches shut down, the grocery stores are emptying out. So, how can we use social media, Kina, in a positive way during this time? Well, I think, you know, my first reaction to that is paying attention to whose feeds, whose pages you're absorbing information from. Even when we think about, like, the information we currently have about this, you know, CV-19, and there's a tendency, I think, for people to be media illiterate, if that makes sense, like, not knowing how to critically use media, right? Mm -hmm. So, like, for example, like, a thoughtful person recognizes that if I'm going to get information about this um, disease, I should be getting it from like credible sources like the CDC or the World Health Organization as opposed to going to my Aunt Susie May's Facebook page. You yeah. get what yeah. I'm saying? So, tra- so I would translate that to paying attention to whose feeds are you feeding from? You know, no pun intended, but like Uh, Because I do agree that the way that we're going to be communicating, especially if there's high levels of people quarantining, will be through these channels. And so people should be mindful of who they're accessing and for what reasons.
1: Great point.
0: So what are like uh, some things we should be posting? Like I personally think that you know, we are in a state of fear for the most part. So I feel like if we're going to shift the atmosphere from fear to love, then we should be posting techniques or books or, you know, anything that can help shift your vibration and keep it in love versus fear. Versus posting fear-based things. So I think we need to position ourselves in two places. Um, One is about affirming where people are and part of that is going to be compassion and consideration because like I have a friend right now who today her Facebook post um, almost had me in tears she is someone who has an ongoing health issue she's uh autoimmune deficient um that's that's her her reality and she was talking about her very real fears centering around what this you know, this potential um, disease may bring to her family uh, and the impact. <clears throat> and I certainly don't want to be the type of person who's going to be like, girl, there's nothing to fear but fear itself, right? So there has to be a place for compassion. There has to be a place for consideration and recognizing. And like, how do we make space for people? Yes. Like, even when we think about it from a spiritual standpoint, um, there's some things that exist in the Bible in both new and old Testament. Not that I'm trying to be like a preacher right now, but one of those things is like lament, right? And lament is a collective grief. So how do we sit with people who have very real anxieties and fears? Mm. You get what I'm saying? Like that's, that is a very real thing. Right. And so how do we position that, but at the same time offer affirmation too, right? Cause we would be amiss to leave it as that. We would be amiss to just say, Oh, Lord, everything's going to be going bad for you. I'm going to pray for you. But how do we also lift other people up and say, hey, this is a very real thing you're going through. I want to sit in this with you. I want to agree with you where it's appropriate. I want to weep with you if that's what you need. But at the same time, I want to affirm you too. So I think those are going to be the two places we have to consistently be kind of positioning and posturing ourselves towards a willingness to be compassionate, to listen, to make space for people, but at the same time, trying to also offer support and resourcing, right? Like, how can I be of service? Exactly. I think both of those are going to be <clears throat> really powerful places to be. And neither of those are places that add panic upon panic. You get know what I'm saying? Exactly. Because um, there are going to be people who, you know, you remember like junior high school, And there would be two kids who wanted to fight, but they really didn't want to fight, right? And so there'd be that kid who put their hands in the middle of the fighting kids and be like, which one touches your hand? Or your mama said, what? Yeah. The instigators. Exactly. So the two kids, you know they didn't want to fight because like y'all have been in the same circle for 10 minutes. None of y'all want to do this. But because of the, the instigation from onlookers, it can it aggravate a situation. So that's definitely where we don't need to be. We don't need to be aggravating. We don't have to be instigating. We don't have to tell people there's no toilet paper for miles and miles and miles away. Exactly. That's unnecessary yes. uh, commentary. That's what we need to be avoiding, right? Those are so, great yeah. points, Kina. And I think you said, how can I be of service and service is action? Yes, for sure. Um, And I think everyone can in some capacity uh, be of service, whether it is if you have some extra food in your house and, you know, you know, somebody else ran out, Hey, I have some extra such and such. You can come over and get it this time, you know, yeah. if there's no, yes. Yeah, so hey, I have an extra role. As you- an educator, like I was just thinking, like, for example, I just was invited to a Facebook group today. So I teach at LSU. We just got the official word from the official word from our higher ups that we're going completely online starting March 30th, and so classes for the next two weeks are canceled. Mm-hmm. And what they're doing is they're extending spring break for students and giving us faculty time to figure out how to put our face-to-face classes online. Right. And uh, the Facebook group I joined. Um, ironically, it's called Panadim- Pandemic Pedagogy. Mm. And it's educators across the country who are in this Facebook group, and we're going to help each other and coach each other, to figure out how to teach online. Because for so many of us, that's not a thing. That's not our reality. So that's the type of resource that we can provide for people like, hey, I have a skill set that might help you in this challenging time. Yeah. So that's just an example of that kind of resourcing we can do, you know, because as an educator, I'm a little overwhelmed. I mean, I'm like, I don't know how to teach online. I've never really had to do it. To be in this group and learn from people who are more familiar, more comfortable, is going to be a tremendous resource. And I just use that as an example, because there could be people who are in the medical field who can say, hey, we can resource people in this way, provide this type of support, this type of education, this type of information. So I think that's something we all can do to serve people around us. Absolutely. At this time.
1: Hey, Kena, I have a daughter who's a junior at the University of West Georgia currently, and they've just been informed starting next week that, you know, for two weeks at least, they're going to be taking classes online. Are they providing you all with a special type of software, or are you just having to so
0: (laughs) well so that's where these things kind of have layers right um every institution um every different school system uh because louisiana state university is part of louisiana state system right so they have their own resources um the you know so that's going to be contingent upon that university and what system that university is a part of um so, like, for us, we're in Louisiana, and, you know, dot, 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 we're not necessarily the school, we're not necessarily a state that has budgets that are enormous. So, in this regard, uh, we have what we have on campus already. I don't foresee our university providing extreme measures in terms of getting us additional support. But I know that some schools and some institutions already have, like, really great, like, technological plans in place already. So I think it's just depending on, again, the school, the the system that your school is a part of, and then the budget that already exists. Mm-hmm. So that, and that's not going to be uniform across, You like, it's not going to be a uniform experience, because even depending on that state school, if it is a state school, there might be institutions that are part of that that get more resourced than others, just depending on where is it located and that institution's budget.
1: Okay. That's good stuff there. And
0: yeah. And I will also add this, you know, like I said, I'm a part of this group and I don't want to make this about education, but one of the things that I'm going to be going into as I, Again, I'm making this like I'm transferring Mm -hmm. what was a face-to-face (laughs) discussion-based class into an online Mm -hmm. experience. And one of the things that we as educators are going to have to think about is we're going to have to think about what are the students going to be experiencing when they come home? Because they didn't expect this either, right? Like, especially those state schools that have students from all over the country and all over the world. So what can I do that won't lend itself to students having or experiencing um, stress around mm-hmm. it, you know? Well, that Because this is unexpected for them as yeah, well. Yeah, and that kind of um, goes into my next question of, <clears throat> we have all this time at home um, where you can quiet yourself. So what would it be like? You're, you're, but Janie, you're assuming that. No, 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 no. Right? I'm saying where we can, we, because everything's a choice, correct? So, for sure. So, because choice. for some people, so what I'm saying, for some people, that won't be what they're experiencing. You get what I'm saying? Right. Okay. I agree, but there's a choice. Like, you can choose. So you can say, I'm going to run around frantic or I can choose to quiet myself during these two weeks. Let's just yeah. say the whole U.S. is down two weeks, right? Yes. And in these two weeks, we are at home. Now, I'm saying, what if, because I, I truly believe in the concept that what we feed grows. But what if of 24 to 48 hours, We went silent. No one fed the coronavirus media. What would it look like on day three at 72 hours? Gosh, I just, I can't even, I can't personally process that. And the reason why I can't process that is because I have been reading, and I haven't been reading the the hyped up we're all gonna die, right? Like, for example, some of the stuff heaven. I've been reading today. You
1: okay. I have not.
0: I've been reading. I have been reading today, but what I'm saying is I've not been reading like the hyped up stories about like no toilet right. paper. I'm really concerned about like, for example, like um, what does it mean for those kids K through twelve who are in situations where their school closing down isn't as simple as their school closing down but like that's where they get their most substantial meals. Well, available. that's what, like that And that's a, what I'm saying and that's where the fear goes in. So, if we're yeah. concerned um about these kids and we have ample supply in our own pantry, then none of these kids should should no. have a concern. And if we're yeah. going to be of service. So all I'm saying is if and I'm not saying we're quiet I'm saying we're quiet in a way we're not feeding the hype of the media okay, we're quiet yeah. we're not quiet and in service and helping and making sure everyone meets their needs yeah no that's powerful you know what gonna say that's yeah powerful because, yeah because so you know because that's a very real reality do you know what I'm saying like you know, for parents, like I said, I've been reading today, and there are parents who are really concerned about, like, you know, what is that going to mean for their household grocery budget? Because school provides, in some ways, child care, right? That's one thing school provides, K-12. Free child care in some capacities if your kid goes to that's public school. That's when you steps up but and serves. Yeah. Yeah. So... I think that's a powerful piece of it to think about it like that. For yeah. Sure. Let me
1: interject here. So th- this goes back to like in the seventies, for example, like I grew up in the projects, Janie and I have had this conversation before. I was like, we could actually leave our doors open. And people didn't try to rob you or anything because in our neighborhood, we bartered. Like if I had milk and miss Mary had sugar and somebody bread you could actually put a meal together so nobody starved everybody ate and you could open because no one was starving like today we don't know our neighbors you know so
0: so the whole thing
1: is like we're talking about shifting the atmosphere right from fear to love and a lot of the fear is because people feel separated and disconnected right they feel disconnected whereas so like what you're saying are definite real concerns but it's like how hard yeah. would it be for those who have to help these families out and the, is those yeah. conversations aren't what's being had on social media instead people are just reposting what they see on cnn we're caught up in the fear yeah. that we're not being proactive and coming up with viable solutions to to help these people and it can yeah. be pretty simple no, because powerful. think about it. Like I remember back when uh, the earthquakes in, in Haiti had taken place and everyone was rallying together to send food. It's like it costs nothing to get beans and rice. Like I myself, I know I could get enough beans and rice to eat for a whole year and that'd be cool. So it's yeah. it's we have to come up with another conversation other than just regurgitating the obvious we know that there's a disease out there we know what its potential is but it's like what are we doing what are we doing to to help ourselves and, and others right and others so worst case worst case scenario if, if we know is getting ready to take out 50% of the population what are we spiritually doing to prepare ourselves you know what I mean like, and I mm-hmm. think if most people, regardless of what their religious or, or spiritual philosophy is, if if they are spending time really digging into that on a daily basis, fear should be at a minimum.
0: For sure. You know, I think kind of going back to what I was saying about, you know, what does lament mean? And that's to sit in someone's grief and is also to, Sit in in, in stillness mm-hmm. with someone, and to have empathy, and I think there are so many things that, on a day to day basis, distract us mm-hmm. from doing that. Distract us from fully seeing each other, right? Exactly. Like so What does it mean to fully exactly. see my neighbor? To fully see them, their humanity, um, and I think, you know, I mean, I don't, I definitely don't say this lightly but sometimes um, experiencing a certain amount of pressure can remind you of what really counts, exactly. right? And so I think some of that stillness, that silence, that, that observation of empathy may come as a result of knowing that there are people who are experiencing suffering that are, are close to me and forcing me to rethink compassion you know Um, because I don't think on a daily basis we see ourselves as someone who has the power to to directly impact others there are so many things that keep us from seeing ourselves like that and the truth is we're all one so it's almost when you see somebody suffering you're watching yourself suffer and yeah. we have the power to shift the atmosphere. We just have to know that and and step into that power. But I was also thinking about thoughts or things, right? And let's talk about scarcity versus abundance. So if yeah, fear is scarcity. So yes, if, it totally is. It's, it's, it's not, not, enough. not enough. You don't have enough. My enough. kids won't have enough. You know. It's the reason why people are going into Costco and buying six months worth of toilet paper. Come on. Because that's scary mindset (laughs) and that's a fear-based and it's saying, I gotta get mine. I don't know about you, but I gotta get mine. Exactly. exactly, When we have to come into a oneness, which is love, and take care of each other during this time. And it also goes back to Um, what you know our people you know people perish because of a lack of knowledge if anyone knows how capitalism works right like that's what I was I was having this conversation with my sister earlier if anyone knows how capitalism works you better believe that Charmin and Scott and Procter and Gamble they're gonna make toilet people toilet paper till they can't make toilet paper anymore so this idea that these companies are all of a sudden just gonna stop making toilet paper. Like that's not even how capitalism works. So I'm like, do I'm like I'm like I'm thinking to myself, do people not know like how the free market is engaging this? Like no one's gonna stop making these things. You know lack of knowledge. You know? And so that lack so that lack of knowledge is also driving yeah. fear as well. You know what I'm saying? Because people don't know how things work.
1: Yeah, there are going to be some companies that, uh you know, even though the stock market has taken a major hit as a result of the virus on an international mm-hmm. level, some, some of these companies are yeah. going to come out looking pretty good.
0: Lifestyle, Clorox, well, I mean... You- <laughs> Pharrell is like, we're in the money, right? I heard somebody say, they were talking about the cost of Pharrell. I was like, oh my goodness, like, gracious Lord, like, you know? So yeah, they're not about to stop production anytime Yeah, and a lot
1: of people are are panicking because they're losing a lot of money in their 401k and in the stock market, things of that nature. I think it's a good time also for those who are in finance or in, in the stock market to be online, posting things, telling people how this is actually an opportunity financially, you know, if they're sitting on some cash, when it bottoms out to go ahead and start purchasing it. and, you know, they could recoup their money on the way back, you know, because a lot of people that understand yeah. how it works, they make money whether it's up or down. And I think historically, most of us really only make money when we ride the wave on the way up. But this is really Opportunity on so many yeah. different levels like financially spiritually everything because you know everybody out there has some type of religious or spiritual like philosophy that they live their life by this is a good time to put it to practice. It's like like Mike Tyson Pretty said, sure. he said Every, everybody has a plan when they step into the ring until they get punched in the nose then their plan goes out the window. So this is almost like a spiritual punch in the nose to humanity. And it's like, do do we panic or, or do we implement those things? on Saturday <laughs> and Sunday.
0: Like, what wh- what happens when you have to walk out something that you've never had to walk out before? What happens when you have to um, walk in faith in real in real recognizable ways that you never had to do and you know, I think about what does it mean? Like, no one is truly empty if they have community, right? Exactly. You know what I'm saying? Like, if you, are, if you are in community, if you are living in community, you are never truly empty. And But again, it goes back to what are the things that people tell themselves that need to be sustained that aren't really true? You know what I'm <clears> saying? Like, um, Trevor Noah of The Daily Show, who He's actually very... is so great, was... And he's so spot on. He said, This is how you know America's a first world country. He's like growing up, sometimes we didn't have toilet paper. It was okay, you know? And he's of course he's laughing right, right. now We're in South Africa. But he's like he's like, It's okay. You have a paper towel. Like, and so a part of this is also like the I guess what you call it, the arrogance or the privilege of living in the society where most of us have never really gone right. without certain things. And this is our reaction, like, oh, my gosh, like, what? I'm not going to have Charmin? Oh, my goodness, you know? That's a a good point. (laughs) Like, a lot of the world does not even have access to clean drinking water on a daily basis. So I think we're going to have to develop some perspective here. Oh, absolutely.
1: I, I want to read something to you guys here <clears throat> I post this every now and then I'm not sure if people actually get it it says we the willing led by the unknowing are doing the impossible for the ungrateful we have done so much with so little for so long we are now qualified to do anything with nothing
0: hmm. so, That's deep. so that
1: that goes back to what you were saying so it's like our people in particular it's like When this country is in a recession, we've been in a recession. We were already in a recession. You you (laughs) tell us, say that again. The country country may go into a recession periodically every so many years or whatever, but it's like we've always been in a recession, so it's not new to us, right? And the thing is, it's like we are at the lowest level of a real live monopoly game. Like post-slavery, it's like we are the only group of people that sat down to the Monopoly game with no money. So that's what has caused a lot of the difficulties and things of that nature. Like we laugh about growing up on government cheese sandwiches and fried bologna sandwiches and things of that nature. But it's like now, you know, to find some success... In a capitalistic society that enables us not to live in fear right because it's like we know that we could survive off the bare minimum or damn near nothing if you have other people you know what I'm saying kind of riding for you yeah, right community. so yeah. I think now is a good time because we're, I'm talking about realistically if they you know, just call for a national emergency, suspend the constitution and and quarantine everybody off because that's one of the rumors floating around.
0: That's possible. That
1: we may be quarantined for two to four weeks in our homes. I think now is a good time for people to reach out to loved ones and friends that you haven't talked to in a while, you know, just to check to see if they're okay. If you can send them a few dollars to help them go shop, do that. If you can go shopping for somebody elderly in your neighborhood, I think now is a good time for us to come together instead of just planting fear. It's like, this is a great opportunity for us to come together as a people.
0: But isn't it also another, a time for us to truly put in what it means to have faith? Because faith is believing in something you can't see. So if all around us is scarcity, no toilet paper, the schools are shut down, no jobs, doesn't it force us to go within and believe? It should. And, yeah. to, and rely on I think, something I think- greater than everything outside of ourselves, including the government. Well, first of all, we have seen, I mean, I don't want to make this a political conversation, but <coughs> I think we've seen the, um, it, the um, maybe the, obtruse na- the the obtruse. Na- like, I don't, I think we can expect that there's going to be some lag time between what the government officials and administration can provide versus what um, in real time people really need you get what I'm saying like bureaucracy is bureaucracy so by the time Congress decides to pass X right like today for example <clears throat> Congress uh, denied uh, emergency pay, sick pay lead so that might come back across the congressional floor but by the time that's happened people have already been served eviction notices so I definitely think we're going to have to find creative ways to again kind exactly. of exist in community um, that in ways that we're not having to do right now but a part of having faith I think is also recognizing where you stand right um, and I say this to say like like for example the last couple of days I've been complaining about oh my gosh I'm going to have to teach online this is not what I got paid to do blah 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 and uh, uh, a friend of mine who's also uh a faculty member said she basically reminded me well exactly. but you're still getting paid and there are tons of people who are going to have to find a way to to advocate for themselves to get paid for their hourly wages so i also think part of faith is also recognizing mm-hmm. what's in my hand right like moses right like you know you know before moses goes to see pharaoh god is like what's in your hand and he's like it's just a staff So I definitely think part of knowing faith is knowing what I already have in my hand, what I already have in possession. Stay in that that state of gratitude. Yeah. And that really, that was a check and balance for me because I was like, oh girl, you need to stop talking because you know what I'm saying? Like when she said that, I was like, she's right. I'm still going to get a paycheck, right? Like I'm not having to convince anyone that my pay needs to still come, you know? So when that when she said that, I was like, let me be quiet and just be thankful and recognize the privilege I have and go. Let me ask you, Kina, what do you know about the coronavirus? What like do you have what what has been your research and what it is, where it came from and So I went to CDC, and I've been visiting the uh, Louisiana Department of Health website. Those have been my two sources, the Centers for Disease Control Prevention and Louisiana Department of Health. And so I know that there are various strains. The one that people are most concerned about right now is CV-19. I know that the two groups of individuals who are most likely to have a fatal experience with this disease would be those with autoimmune deficiencies mm-hmm. and the elderly, right? So that automatically takes me off the t- the proverbial chopping block. I don't know if that's like mm-hmm. the horrible term to use. So that was the first thing that I find out, Like, is this something that I personally um, will be directly impacted? And once I found out that that wasn't me, that did free me up to be able to think about it more like logically mm-hmm. and logistically, you know? Um, and so for me, even now, like, when I think about who, in theory, should be walking around panicked, you know, I can, see, like, I had a student in class today who said, I have a grandpa and I'm so concerned that I'm going to come, I'm going to visit him and I'm going to do harm to him. And I told that student I appreciated him mm-hmm. sharing, you get what I'm saying? So I think there are people who are not sure about how they could hurt people they love. So, you know, I mean, but for the most part, I do them people are just kind of swarming around in the bottom, you know, bottom pits of if the in- inter- you know, the internet, bottom mm-hmm. pits of internet information, mm-hmm. which is unfortunate. Yeah. Um what I have researched, um, so coronaviruses, human coronavirus have been around for a long time. In humans, I want to say there's about five to seven strands that we normally get. And it could be in, um, you know, up respiratory infections, from the common cold, whatever. However, um, COVID-19, and this information is coming from um, something I was researching, uh, epidemiologists, virologists, something like that. Um, The COVID-19, that particular strain actually originated in bats. Bats, so to give you a comparison, humans get about seven to 10 different strands. Bats can carry about a hundred different strands. So where this originated from in China, uh, Wuhan, and it's a wet market where mm-hmm. a lot of animals are sold in a wet market. I mean, you know, you'll have meat hanging up, you'll have different animals hanging up for purchase, raw, whatever. <laughs> and so what this epidemiologist was saying was that the virus is typically found in the intestinal tract of bats, but no <laughs> no one knows how it it came into humans, you know, um, now whether it, you know, an animal came into contact with fecal matter of the bat and had the virus and, you know, that particular animal was sold and whatever,
1: I, you know, or, somebody directly ate the bat.
0: or that too, you know, it's a wet market and it's in China. Um, but, and it affects the respiratory tract. So, the the biggest uh, thing you do want to do is wash your hands, you know, all the time. Clean your surfaces, stuff like that. So, it brings me also to another topic. This is why we shouldn't be eating animals we're not designed to eat. We should oh not gosh. be eating bats. We You're should not be eating crickets. We should not be eating armadillos. <laughs> we should not be eating snakes and we shouldn't be eating animals that we were not designed or created to eat. I know this is a whole nother podcast, yeah, but sense. I'm the same. I know. But I feel it, like you went in the hole. Just, you just, drove just, the car just, from just, Texas just, to Florida. That's true, because the cow is eats plant-based and and builds great muscle. The cow don't eat other animals.
1: So basically you're saying that the cow gets fat, like they say the gorilla Well, they're saying, back. you know, All humans these...
0: we have to build muscle by eating protein, animal protein. Uh, these
1: animals are getting their protein. But the, the animals
0: are getting their protein from plants. And when
1: we eat the animals, we're only getting a fraction of the protein yeah. from the plants.
0: So if you gonna eat some bat soup, if you I gonna mean, eat some I, bat I, soup I'm out of China, I mean sometimes let I feel like at this point in the podcast let's make it really clear though we're not saying that we blame China no. or Asian people I'm not for this epidemic because because people are also using this as a place to become very xenophobic right now and so I just want to make sure we just make that really clear that we are not advocating for that kind no. of just, just,
1: just stating where <laughs> They supposedly say the origin of it has come from even like yeah. the AIDS, where they talked about a green monkey bit somebody on their butt in Central Africa and all that stuff. So,
0: yeah, and that just makes ways for like I said, xenophobic and racist comments, and that that also makes me really sad. Yeah you know yeah we're, no, to throw we're that no, out in no way shape or form condone racism <laughs> or anything like that because we're big on taking away those layers take away your race gender your religion yeah. who are you? and we're yeah. all one yeah. yeah 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 we're shared shared humanity and this is scary for everybody right like this is scary for um people across the globe. Uh, I just think it, it globe, makes you, you know? think we got to go back to the basics of knowing who we are and what we were designed and created to do and be in these bodies.
1: Yeah, and things like this can be a major distraction. Especially at a time when, you know, it seems like a lot of people are starting to wake up consciously to the knowledge of themselves and their connection to the universe. <laughs> You know, even to their religions, I think people are starting to delve deeper. I think this right here is—it's an opportunity, but I think it's more of an exception than a norm. I think the norm is for people to gravitate toward fear because it's easy. But
0: yeah, yeah, and 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 nothing—we've not said this before. Because I know we're definitely trying to usher in the spirit of compassion, shared humanity, and love. But it is very profitable to make everyone afraid, too. You know what I'm saying? That is profitable for so many different industries. You know what I'm saying? It is very profitable to keep people in a state of status of fear. It's profitable. Unfortunately,
1: Um, unfortunately, we live in a society where it's a crime of omission for commission. So to keep people in the dark but I think yeah. is to a certain extent is people are somewhat lazy in this society it's like they want to be spoon fed information so therefore they sit on the couch and listen to CNN or Fox and that's the gospel yeah. <clears throat> I think that we individually have to turn into researchers like many scientists for the most part and then listen to that To become critical, you mentioned (laughs) that earlier. I think there's a lot of critical thinking in this society. I know that some of the best conversations I have are with foreigners who've been educated outside the United States. Unfortunately, and it's only because they they're normally more well read and they think a little bit more critical. I think here, here,
0: yeah. U.S. citizens, we've been entertaining ourselves to death for eons at this point, right? We're oh, yeah. using ourselves to death. You know, we, we we, want to consume everything that keeps us feeling great and, you know, the easy, the lazy, the mm. lack of effort, you know. And there's a book that I read years ago, mm. and it was called Amusing Ourselves to Death. I don't necessarily remember the author, but he talked about uh part of it was like the lack of misinf the lack of information or quality information about our experiences on earth are largely because we just want to be amused because it makes it easier to deal with hard that's things. True. Or to ignore hard things. Yeah, that's exactly. so constantly. And, and the thing is,
1: it's like most people would rather be entertained and educated. And I think that that's a big yes. problem comes Sunday. Yes. A lot of people Unfortunately, go to church to be entertained as opposed to educated because most of them come Monday morning if you ask them what the sermon was about, they probably couldn't tell you.
0: That's- couldn't tell you I agree. people are seeking a feeling and and, and they want to feel good, and that's, that's yeah, what they want it's almost feel. like they want it
1: serves good. as Novocaine for their pain. like a lot of people now with the fear, they'll use it. It's almost like nobody came to numb themselves or those
0: yeah because they because they are scared they're scared but they don't want to unpeel what that fear means and so like because again I think it's it's hard to navigate it's the true realm, right but that we have... it's hard and instead of peeling back that those real emotions we'd rather yeah. uh, come we, we have
1: to ask ourselves why are we feeling or experiencing what we're experiencing because nine times out of ten like after all this past we'll look back at how we reacted to it and be like why was I so afraid
0: exactly you know because
1: we've been here before we've been point. here y2k we've been here with, with a lot of other things right but it's you know like I remember, what was the name of that movie with Will Smith and his son was in it. He made a comment where he said that that fear is not real. He said danger is real, but fear is not real. It's an illusion. And I just think that we, we have to start shifting the way we look at things, you know, because we have to get to the point where we don't even fear death. You know what I mean? Because if we we really dig deeper and and understand that, you know, like the spirit body is an energy body and energy cannot be created nor destroyed, it just moves and changes shape and form. You always, always will be. Uh, That's another story for another day because in the ecumenical councils back in the day, they used to speak of reincarnation. It was taken out of the books. A lot of people don't want to hear that, but it was taken out of the books and people just feel that hey, we just have this one shot at this thing, and this is the end, and blah blah. blah. And it puts you in a fear state because now you have you have this lack mentality, right? And instead of understanding that this is, your spirit is infinite, it's an ongoing thing, right? Yeah. And when you reach that level, it's like fear dissipates. You know, and there are a lot of people. I'm kind of getting off on a tangent. I don't want to do, but there are a lot of that that are in these elite positions <laughs> that run this country. These people know these things, right? And even some of your high-powered ministers and stuff it's, it's know consciousness. it.
0: Consciousness is a level, and yeah. people have attained very high levels of consciousness. The top one to five percent, which is if we all agree that energy cannot be destroyed it can only be changed or transformed this is why we are calling this shifting the atmosphere from fear to love all this energy that we're putting into fear let's put it into love yeah because it could be put into something else go you know oh go for it go ahead i'm sorry well no because even talking about like um you know Janie knows I'm I'm a sis I'm a sit I am a systems person. I tend to look at everything from like larger systems, mm. from the macro, you know. And the the term I used yesterday was the performance of outrage. The performativity of outrage and the performance of 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 um discomfort because Going back to something Russ said earlier, I think there are groups of people, you know, who, while this is a new take on a disease or an epidemic, there are groups of people Mm -hmm. who've been here before in some capacity. You know, uh, we talk about like in the early 80s when the AIDS epidemic first was created and it was just going through. you know, the LGBT community and there was no government support or whatever, if we're talking about kids who are hungry, there are communities of people who spend all summer trying to figure out how to feed their kids. And so in some ways, I wonder if there are certain groups of people who are looking at us and being like, well, why are y'all even like, you know, up in airs? Because this is this is 75% yeah. of how my life goes anyway. You get what I'm saying? Like, I'm always concerned about health, or I'm always concerned about feeding my kids. And so a lot of this is making me think about who are people who are privileged enough that they don't really have to even think about safety, right? Like, there are certain groups of people who live in our society, who live in the best neighborhoods, and they go to the best schools, and all their groceries come from Whole Foods, you know what I'm saying? And their lives are so situated that the slightest discomfort is like, oh my gosh, you know? Um, Because as a black woman in America, I regularly feel unsafe for multiple reasons. You get what I'm saying? Like feeling, and so, and I'm not saying that like mentally I live in that place, but I'm always aware, right? What racism is doing. I'm aware of what misogyny does. And so a lot of this is also me feeling like there are certain groups of people who live in safe bubbles and we're seeing a lot of their reactions exactly. to being unsafe right now. And those are the people who are like exactly. buying it's, up the Walmart It's new right to them. You get what I'm saying? Because Corona is not gonna just stay in the lower third or mock, you know. Martin Luther King Boulevard that's that's it's going to move its way up and so I also think there's a certain amount of societal privilege working right now and those are the people who regularly get to say oh no like I don't have any concerns in life and this is one of those things that makes it this is equal opportunity CV 19 is going to be equal opportunity and I think a lot of people don't know how to deal with that. But I think we were at a great um, stopping point to wrap up. Um, any last minute, anything, comments you want to just kind of leave? If there was anything that you would want people to know today um, to do in shifting the atmosphere from fear to love, what is the one thing you would say? Humans are incredibly resistant we have been as a species for a very long time. And I think we should remember that. I do think that if people can front load their um, frontal lobe, cerebellum, I think that's what it's called, that mm-hmm. they so they can resist um, relying on their lizard brain, right? Uh, the more information they know, the better Equipped they will be to respond to fear appropriately mm-hmm. um, and to walk in courage because courage is um, not the absence of fear, but it is moving even when fear is present. That's right. That's a great point. What about you, Russell?
1: It's it just reminding me of something I had said months back. It's almost like, you know, when you have faith, it's like driving in the fog. It's like your GPS tells you that you're going from point A to point B, but as you're driving, you can only see what's immediately in front of you and you just continue to go. And as you proceed forward, you know, you could, your vision comes a little bit clearer. You could see a little bit more, a little bit more, but the faith in knowing that you're heading in the right direction, ultimately you get there. But I think people just need to point their GPS, their guide positioning system, you know really dig deep during this time to you know practice your faith whatever it is that you believe in like whatever your spiritual or or uh, religious philosophy is to actually practice it during this time because that's needed and not only praying for yourself praying for others reaching out to others and seeing who we could assist during this time and you know bless some people
0: yeah great points, um and I I think just yeah that oneness and being of service and um how can I serve how can I help how can I you know um keep everyone's vibrations above fear as well during this time so this has been Matters of the Heart and Soul podcast. I'm your host, Janie Charlotte, and co-hosting with Russell Bruce. And we have been talking with Ms. Kina Reed on shifting the atmosphere during the coronavirus scare and shifting it from fear to love. Um, stay tuned for our next episode. Thanks, Kina. Thanks. All right. Bye-bye. Bye.